Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 6.30 Chad and the Edmonton Oilers Hockey Club present the show that is everything Oilers. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. I'm going to tell you, the team to watch tonight at the draft is going to be the Chicago Blackhawks. It's all but guaranteed people expect Alex to bring it to get traded and now they're reporting that they're taking uh, serious offers on Kirby Doc as well absolutely crazy what's happening there this is the second hour of Oilers now uh, day one of the NHL draft takes place tonight in Montreal the Oilers have the 29th overall pick we'll see if they keep that if they move that as a package, uh, if they trade it for more picks, uh, time will tell in that regard. We do have an Edmonton Elks broadcast tonight with Morley and uh, Dave Campbell. Of course, Brendan Escott will have the uh, kickoff show for you today at 5.30 uh, with Blake Termot as well. Uh, we'll have updates during the course of uh, today, courtesy of our friends at Scott Arthur Millwork and Cabinetry, a luxury of excellence uh, on Oilers Radio, 6.30 Chad. So, uh, Stick with us. Lots going on. The second hour of Oilers Now is brought to you by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology. Uh, office technology and software. You can text us, and I'm going to get to your text at about 123 on the Ashley Fine Floors text line 7804960063. Get the new floors you've always wanted at Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday through Saturday. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, River Cree Resort and Casino Excitement, bet on it. We are joined by Sportsnet color analyst Louis DeBrusque for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts, turbochargers at great prices since 1972, GCLDiesel.com. Louis, my apologies for keeping you waiting on the phone for two-plus minutes. How you doing, my man? Doing okay. How are you doing today, Bob? Uh, good. Yesterday, uh, let's let's just do it right now, Louis, because you're a friend and a former teammate of Brian Marchment. That must have been a real shock yesterday. Yeah, I know it really. It is still a shock, to be honest with you, Bob. Um, you know, I'm just still trying to make sense of it, and something you're never going to make sense of. But very good friend of mine. Very good friend of mine, Brian. We uh, have a lot of. Uh, um, Great times together, played in two different teams together, enjoyed a lot of different things off the ice together. Um, I feel terrible for Kim, his wife Logan and Mason, his daughter and son right now and their respective families going through this. And for Cindy and I, we, uh, you know, we're thinking about them. Simple as that. It's just, it's, it's, it's unfortunate part of life, but it's sometimes a crummy part of life and it's way too soon. Just a terrific, uh, just a terrific guy. You know, I really, I mean, I can't really uh, say too many bad things about Mush. He was always tremendous to me. I always knew where I stood with him. He was one of those friends. We're very lucky to have friends in our life. We only have a few select friends that we consider true friends that no matter what happens, they're always friends. Yours will always be on your side in your corner. Mush is one of those guys for me. I never had to, I never had to question where I fit into his. 
yeah. life. He, he had a big, you know, he had a big personality. Uh, I met him a couple times through you, and I met him a couple times through Red Shop, the jewelry guy here in town with Michael Anthony's. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, occasionally, I may have been uh, the guy that uh, you know was getting uh, you know a little bit of fun on uh, when that happened, right? Sort of the 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 butt of the joke, but I it was always oh, yeah. done in a good, good natured. It was in a, done in a good natured. I mean, he liked to live life. You know what I'm saying? Oh, you know, he was just—he uh, was—he was fun to be around. He was so much fun to be around. And you know, I got so many stories. I know you've heard a ton of them over the years. I've talked about Brian a lot with you. I talked to Scott Thornton yesterday, who's just devastated right now. They've known each other since junior, and that's—that's that's how I first met Brian was at Scott Thornton's wedding, and. Uh, he eventually came to the Oilers and played with them there in Tampa Bay, and we obviously enjoyed the outdoors together. He was a, you know, just a, a real avid hunter and fisherman, so we we connected immediately when he came to the team in that regard, and uh, we've kept in touch ever since. You know, he's just uh, he's an amazing guy, and he'll be missed. And I'll tell you, I still haven't really come to terms with it, where you, know, you just kind of shake your head every once in a while, and yeah. it's still really fresh. Yeah, absolutely. Louis, well stated. Uh, you know, uh, it was interesting because Ryan Rashog from TSN reported earlier this week, he talked to Rick Vallette, that your son Jake had rescinded uh, his trade request from Boston. Uh, I know I was on uh, Ottawa radio earlier this week and raised some uh, eyebrows in the Ottawa market because that's where Bruce Cassidy's from. And uh, somebody had, uh, one of the two hosts, uh, Lee Versage, said, well, I think the most impactful coaching hire in the league is going to be Bruce Cassidy, and uh, you know me, uh, I, I just said, well, I 100% respectfully disagree with you, so uh, I said I'd be intrigued to see how Lane Lambert is going to do, a guy that's had a very good relationship with players for a number of years, but it is interesting, uh, there's a new coach in Boston, Jim Montgomery, he's a player's coach, and Jake has lifted the request, so obviously uh, Jake's uh, rescinded the request, he's looking forward to the opportunity that's there with Jim. Absolutely. You know what? Uh, he's always loved being a Bruin, to be honest with you, Bob. You know that. He's loved the city. He's loved his players on his team. And um, was obviously a different and difficult type of year for him this year, but he responded greatly and finished really strong, one of the strongest players in the team down the stretch. And, you know what? He's looking forward to getting back after it come September. So, um, doesn't know a lot of what Jim, I've tried to explain to him in my dealings with Jim, but he's going to have those conversations with him and they'll learn each other. And anytime there's a new coach, you're always going in there with both ears wide open, eyes wide open, and just trying to absorb and understand what that coach is trying to implement. And that's the way Jake will go to camp, but he's excited to get back after it. All right, there's a lot going on. We had Ken Holland on in the first half hour of the show, Louie, and he talked about the domino effect. And Ken mentioned yesterday, look, obviously we got to get a goaltender in the next 10 days. Well, there was a domino that fell today, and yeah. a little a little bit surprising to me. Mm-hmm. The Colorado Avalanche, two-thirds and a fifth for Alexander Georgiev. The Avs now are without 11 picks over the next three years. That's a lot of draft capital. Uh, And that means that Darcy Kemper's available. Uh, The orders have been linked to Jack Campbell. You've worked broadcasts with both players, uh, both goaltenders. Uh, I asked Kevin Weeks for his thought. He thought that Kemper might be a better fit. I think Kemper's going to ask for more money. Yeah. Who do you like better? He's got a better resume. He's got a better resume for sure. And I think, you know, yeah, you know, listen, he just won the Stanley Cup. And there was question marks about Darcy Kemper in those playoffs, whether or not he was going to be able to stand up to the rigors of the Stanley Cup playoffs and extended. Though he did suffer some injuries, but when he did step in there, he won games. 
you have to give him credit. He did what he needed to do. He played a very good Tampa Bay team in the Stanley Cup final that did not make it easy. He made big saves when necessary, and they won the Stanley Cup. So I can't say anything bad about him. I look at him and say he was a big part of their win. And, you know, um, all Francois, when he stepped in there, he did an amazing job. I don't think he lost a game in the playoffs. So, right. Um, you know, like... I would say right now, yeah, that Kemper's probably trending higher than Campbell. But uh, Jack Campbell's also one of those guys that, you know, I just, if you look at his last couple of years, the numbers he's put up are pretty incredible. You know, they, it's, he's really found his stride. Now, again, health is a big concern with him staying healthy for a period of time. Can he hold those reins on a regular basis? Being a starter is a big question mark. But if, he, if there's ever going to be a time for Jack Campbell to do that, which he's done, but I mean where you're playing 50-plus games a year. You know, I always look at starters as playing that 55 to 60 games on a consistent basis. You know, that's if you're talking about a bona fide number one, a guy that steps in and plays, you're expecting him to play 60 games. If he plays 55 okay, that means your your backup's playing well for you and you feel much more comfortable throwing him in there and giving him that opportunity. But I don't know if he's played that many games in a year, to be honest with you. I can't remember the numbers, but he's played more in the last couple of years. And like I said, they're both good goaltenders. I think they're both in similar positions, but I would I would agree with uh, Weeksy, though, and say that Kemper is obviously has a better, better resume right now and a better reputation, I guess. Can the Edmonton Oilers afford not to find a way to re-sign Evander Kane? In your opinion, Louis? It's a huge loss if they don't. I, I mean, and I think that's, you know, and I think everybody knew going into this, Bob, that that was going to be the risk. Was he was going to come in, he was going to play, the question mark was always, and we talked about this right from the beginning, was he going to be able to be re-signed? And we honestly thought most likely not if he does what he's taught, has the capability of doing. And I think he came in and did exactly, if not over-exceeded, what we felt he was going to do. He really did find the chemistry. He added a dimension they didn't have. It was a noticeable dimension. And he was impactful. There's nothing else you can say about it. He was an impactful player for the team. And a big reason why they got to the conference final. He had an amazing playoffs. So when you're riding that high and you're riding that type of a, a stretch that Evander Kane's riding, of course you're going to want to test the market. You know, I think that he's silly to think that he's going to go anywhere and be able to play with better players than Leon Dreisaitl or Connor McDavid. Now, first and foremost, let's get that out of the way. If he was honestly thinking, okay, where's the best place that I can go to really rack up numbers and, you know, capitalize on this? Well, he's at an age now and in a, in a position in his career where he's kind of been through, he's been around for a long time. You know, I, I know he still looks young and he is relatively young. He's played a lot considering he started at 18 years of age. But he's kind of looking for me. If I'm taking a guess at it right now, he wants to he he wants to make money right now. He wants to have a solid term. He wants to have a solid contract that he feels he deserves. And I, I don't blame him for exercising that and looking around. But if he really looks at it and says, "Where's my best opportunity to win in the next four to five years? Where's my opportunity to play with the best players?" I don't think he can look too much further than right here. Right here in Edmonton. This is where he should play because he's fit in really nicely, and I only think he's going to get better as time goes on with, with playing with the elite players on Edmonton. And he showed that he jumps right in and is an amazing finisher, which is what they needed. What do you think happens with Zach Cassian, Louis? Uh, good question. I know there's been a lot of talk, and Zach's been a hot-button topic around town. And You know, here's the thing. We've talked about this at length, about the fact that when he's playing the way he can play, when he's playing nasty, and we're not talking just specifically about the fighting. Um, and I've said that in, in today's day and age, in today's game, 
let's put this in perspective. We talk a ton about the grit of Evander Kane. We talk a ton about the toughness that he brought into the organization. How many fights did Evander Kane have as an Edmonton Oiler in his tenure with Edmonton? None. Exactly. Zero. It's the way he plays the game, though. It's what he brings to the table. It's sticking your chest out, bumping into guys at whistles, constantly talking to people, constantly being engaged that way. And it's a hard role to play. And when Zach plays that role, he's outstanding at it. He's incredible. He's one of the best guys in the league, in my opinion. He's Because he can skate, he can stick handle, he can move up and down your lineup, he can finish checks with the best of them. And let's face it, he can scrap too. And whether people think it or not, being a left-handed fighter and the way he fights, he's a little wild and he gets those left swinging. Take it from a guy that used to eat punches for a living. You know a guy's a lefty and you know you're going to have to really buckle down when you get into a scrap with him because at any time you can catch one on the chin and the fight's over. That's, 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 to me, that's the danger of fighting a southpaw. And he has that and he knows that. So he can use that to his, to his advantage. He doesn't have to fight that much. But you have to engage. You have to be bumping into people. You have to be to the outside world. And I used to say this to Steve McIntyre all the time. And I was the same way, and this is the reason why I say this. A lot of times I go and I quietly bump a guy up the face off and say, hey, you want to fight? You want to go? And, you know, that player would say no or yes, would not, turn down the fight, not right now, not a good time, have the red light from the coach, whatever the situation might be. But I would do it kind of discreetly, right? And, I, and years later now that I'm a commentator and I watch games on a regular basis and I, as a fan and as a commentator, I, I – I, I, I really key into those situations. Um, <laughs> Matt Hendricks said that the funniest thing one time when he was, uh, he said, you know, I always come over and, and engage in a conversation with a guy on the face-off and bump into him, looked out at my skates, tasked him if he had new skates on. He goes, that way everybody thinks I'm asking him to fight. Everybody's looking around, shaking his head. No, I don't have new skates on. Yes, I do, whatever. But to them, the perception is that I'm engaging with that player. And that's all it really is. I, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. This is a league where you can play the role a bit. You know, back in the day, guys played the role, but they would eventually have to answer for that. They would eventually have to stand up, and somebody was going to call them out of that role eventually, and a lot quicker than it happens today. But in today, it goes a long time. You can get away with, you know, just playing the role. And I think that's really all that Edmonton expects from, from Zach Cassian. Let's go out there and be engaged and play that role. Now, I'm going to tell you from a guy that did it as well, it's not always the easiest, the easiest thing to do that on a consistent basis each and every night. But unfortunately, that's what's necessary. And when I didn't do that role, I usually found myself in the press box. So I'll say this to Zach. That's what he needs to change. All he needs to do is go out there and understand that when he's on the ice, he needs to let people know he's on the ice in any way, shape, or form within the boundaries of the rules for the most part. Every once in a while, it's okay to step over. And then everything else will take care of itself because that's where it starts for me. That little bump off a face-off, I'm going to be on you all night tonight. He's going to maybe have to fight four to five times the entire year. That's it. If that. And, but he can still be mega effective in doing that role. But you have to be engaged. All right, so we've talked, uh, we've, we're joined by Louis DeBras for GCL Diesel, Bob Stoffer, Brennan Clack, Brennan Escott with you. It's 120 in Edmonton, and speaking of GCL Diesel, they provide genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972, gcldiesel.com. Louis, the Oilers are going to bring back both uh, Glenn Gullitson and Dave Manson to the coaching staff, along with Dustin Schwartz, yeah. Jeremy Coupeau. Oh. We're actually bringing a second video guy up, Noah Siegel, from the farm out of Bakersfield as well. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, specifically on Gully returning to the staff? Well, 
I think it's great. I do. I think it's great that they're all coming back. Like I said, I thought there was a real synergy there uh, amongst the coaches. And, uh, you know, I know that YZ has uh, interests elsewhere, and they're great for him. I mean, you never want to try and hold someone back if they have an opportunity to maybe go somewhere and do something in a little more of a capacity. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen there. But I would say that, you know, when Jay Woodcroft came on board, um, I just really felt similar to the team this year that the coaches kind of really meshed together. I, I could sense that. I felt that when there were conversations, when you'd see them together sitting in a lounge, waiting for an airplane, walking down the street on an off day, there was a, they were a tight pack, and you like to see that. And I just think that that always bodes well to carry over the message, that one consistent message to the players. The players seem to really respond. So um, I think they're a great bunch of guys. I really do. We've had uh, dealings with all of them, Bob, you and I, and I think that uh, that's a good sign for me is that they recognize that and they want to give it more of a – uh, an opportunity to blossom. It's funny when you host a show called Oilers Now and you're up front with people and say, hey, look, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group. Uh, the smarter listeners understand nuance. And so when we've been mentioning a guy for the last year and a half that's been integral in certain terms of targeting specific players like Zach Hyman, as an example, like Brett Kulak, like Cody Cece, we mentioned that guy's name is Brad Holland. Uh, and I guess maybe it's, it's a byproduct of the fact like, oh yeah, well, you you work for the te- you work for the team, so we can't trust what you're saying. When I'm telling you that the most progressive guy the organization has had in the last decade that has come in from an external place after working for two other clubs before getting here in the National Hockey League, and he finished his law school while he was working for the NHL, it's I, I find it's a, a little bit amazing that we still have. Uh, no, I know better than you because you, you uh, I don't talk to any of these guys. I, I, I you know, Louis, what, what can you say? You, you can't, you, you know, it, I guess it is what it is. I could sit here. So basically what I'm saying to people when it comes to, to Brad Holland that I find interesting is the Oilers needed some younger blood. And oh, by the way, the guy had interest from multiple other clubs, including B. Yeah. You know, in, including uh, you know being on the precipice of maybe losing them to an NHL organization. Uh, I know you know people in the in the in the in the Oilers hockey ops department. This, in spite of the fact that he is the son of Ken Holland, which is an awkward situation undoubtedly. This is a different type of thing. And Louis, who might be the person that you would know amongst the media? Who might be the person that might have the most time for analytics? By the way, of, of the media guys. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You think? I would, I would, yeah, I would say you as far as that. We've had lots of conversations, and I, and I, and I don't want to take a picture that I'm against it, because I'm not. Um, I love numbers, actually. I just, I just think there's a whole lot of moving parts that go on. Hundred percent. It's really, it's really difficult, but to use it as a tool, use it, use it as a tool, and understand tendencies. Hundred percent. And every single organization does do it. They might not call it exactly the same thing, but every team, every coach, in their mind, has a system and a way that they evaluate games, plays, and whatever statistic you want to call it, um, they're all trying to do things for the same result, to win, to make their team better. Um, so I have no problem with anything that's going to do that. But, yeah, you know, Brad Holland, congratulations to him being named assistant general manager. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, sometimes it's hard, and it, it doesn't really matter. I agree with you in terms of it doesn't matter who you bring in. could be a coach, could be an assistant coach, assistant general manager. People are always going to question certain moves because they – 100%. They're, they're desperate because they think that they know more and they want someone, maybe someone they're more familiar with. I understand that. But, you know, decisions like this don't get made – 
without the due process, without the due process of people doing the right things, people putting the effort in. So, I mean, when somebody's elevated and, and, and for Brad, congratulations to him. Yeah, he's got big, big shoes to fill. You know, I can tell you right now that just the fact that he's the son of Ken Holland, sometimes that makes it even more difficult. You have to do more to get noticed. And for me, I can appreciate that. You know, I, I look at that and I say, you're around this, you've been around this world since you were a kid. Um, this is the world you've known. This is the world you've come out. You've, you've eaten, slept, and breathed this world. Uh, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I, I look at that and I say, perfect. I mean, this is somebody that's been born to do this and has come up waiting for their opportunity to be in this kind of position. And who knows what the limit is for him and how high he can go. So I, here's the thing. We're going to question everything. Every single year we have these conversations, Bob. Every single year. I, me- I remember, it's funny, I remember having conversations at the start of last summer, right about this time last year when, you know, Duncan Keith and all this stuff was happening and people were like, oh, my God, what this? They just went to the conference final. They just went to the final four. Now, at, when we were talking at this time last year, if I would have said, you know what, Bob? I'm telling you, they're going to get to the final four. They're going to get to the conference final this year. There would have been people that would have been, what? You know, seriously, what's happened to Lou? But there would have been some people that said, hey, I can kind of see it. You never really know. You have to let time take its course. You have to you have to try and tweak and change things, which Ken Holland has done every single year. Daryl Cates and the ownership group has allowed him to go out and flip over this team each and every year that he's been the general manager of this team. Now, he's done it with uh, cap constraints. He's gone out there and tried to manipulate and do the best that he can with a great core. It just got to the conference final. That's still not good enough. That's still not good 100%. enough. But it's a heat but it's a huge step in my opinion. They understand where they're trying to get to. They understand what they have to do to get there. They're trying to make it happen and that's the day to day rigors of being uh, an NHL franchise is you're constantly trying to make yourself better. So I'm not going to sit here and question anything that happens in the summertime. I'll question it once we get into the season and start really digging into the schedule and seeing how the team's doing. Louie, great stuff. Thanks for your time. All right. Take care. Let's go to the Ashley Five Floors t- uh, text line, 780-496-0063. Bob, don't blow a gasket. I'm not blowing a gasket. People in the know realize Brad Holland's done a professional job, so there's no reason to, uh, to believe that that will change with his promotion. Another texter says, Bob, you're going to be exhausted after carrying so much water today. Adam says, Bob, whoa, stoffer, settle down. Uh Here's what I'd say. Ken Holland, 620 winning percentage taken last three seasons, taken over a 25th place team. In large part, that's happened because of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisettle. This next week-long window, taking us from the 7th to about the 14th, 15th, for my opinion, is the most critical time of the Holland regime. I mean that. My guess is we're looking at 12 to 19 players Opening up, start of the regular season next year that finished game four against Colorado. 12-19. There's going to be at least seven guys gone. It's incumbent upon the Oilers management team to build a better team and continue to grow. And they're going to have to maybe think differently about how they get there to do it. That's what I'm saying to you. It is 128 in Edmonton. Uh, we are going to go to a global news weather traffic update with Rhea LaHue. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. 
I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.